right now there is a teaching that is going around that is uh, very, it's dangerous. And the words that have been said is, uh, as a Christian, you can sin all you want and still go to heaven. And that is a lie. And here's why. You could try to get cute with it. You could try to get technical and say, well, you know, we're, we're, all of our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. And so, you know, uh, mercy triumphs over judgment. Grace abounds more than sin. This is in Romans chapter six. I know this, but um, that would be abusing grace. And this is a form of hyper grace theology, which is dangerous. And here's why. I am not negating the fact that the blood of Jesus removes sin. I am not going against the Bible that says that where sin abounds, grace abounds more. I totally believe that. I am uh, in firm belief of all of the scriptures, the ones that say that mercy triumphs over judgment, that you know, um, when you're born again, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption, that, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is given as a promise um, that Jesus is coming back and you're going to be saved. I believe all of that stuff. Here is the hang up. And Paul says this in Colossians 1. I preach this all the time. I'm a big scriptures guy. I'm not a big opinion guy. He says uh, that we were enemies of God, hostile because of the wicked works of our minds, yet now we have been reconciled through the body of Jesus Christ, through his flesh, through death, in order to present us to the Father as holy, blameless, and righteous. Okay? So, as Christians, this is our identity in Christ. Holy, blameless, and righteous. Now, this is the part that we leave out. Paul then says this, if indeed you continue in the faith and do not depart from the gospel which you heard. Okay, so here's the question. Why would Paul say, if indeed you continue in the faith, if there was no part for you to do? Now, this isn't works-based salvation. This isn't putting my salvation in my hands. I have a responsibility you have a responsibility to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Have you ever heard that, ver that verse before? You're working it out. It's not something that um, you just pray a prayer and then you can do whatever you want. And here's why. James addresses this. And James talks about faith and James talks about work, uh, works. And people hate uh Whenever anyone preaches this because they believe that you're in a works-based doctrine, but you have to listen. James says, you believe there's one God, you do well. The demons believe this and they tremble. What he's saying is intellectual belief, even a confession, is not enough. Here's what I mean by that. How many times have you ever heard someone say something and then they didn't back it up? How many times... Have you ever heard someone make a promise or a declaration 
and then their life didn't back it up. James is saying this, I will show you my faith. I will show you the genuineness of my faith. I will show you that what I'm saying is true and it really comes from my heart because there will be good works. My works don't save me. My works prove that I am saved. Okay, so I'm going somewhere with this. Are we gonna sin as Christians? Well, Jesus didn't die for no reason. Like there is sin and then there is uh, continued uh, forgiveness for our sins because they've been removed by the blood. It's incredible. And so that's why the Bible tells us um, when you are tempted, if you sin. That's why Paul says, I write these things to you so that you do not sin. But if you do sin, know that you have an advocate. So the Bible is setting us up to understand, hey, you once were under the law of sin and death. Now you are under a new covenant. You're under grace. You are covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm a totally finished work of the cross type of guy. However, the mark of a believer is that your life is different. Yes, we are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Yes, Romans 10, 9. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That is all it takes. However, your life lived will prove what you're saying is true. If I'm not a once saved, always saved kind of guy. I am an if saved, always saved. Here's why. People make this argument. They say, well, um, it has to be once saved, always saved because you can't get unsaved. You can't get unborn again. You can't go back into your mother's womb. You can't come from out. Okay, I don't agree with that. And here is why. The Bible makes it clear that there are people who will fall away. There are people who will reject God. Jesus told it in the parable of the sower. Listen to this, guys. The second seed. The Bible says that the person received the word with joy. They genuinely received the word of salvation. They were like, yes, I believe this. I want to be saved. I want to give my life to Jesus. And then guess what? It says that when temptation comes, when the trials of life come, the word is immediately choked out and the seed is removed. That means that there are people that have genuinely, joyfully received the word that they heard. But as soon as life got hard or the deceitfulness of riches, they, they, they desired other things, the Bible says that that word immediately left them. You can be walking with the Lord for a season. And I know that you know people like this who were walking with the Lord and now they are not. I know people who were serving the Lord on worship teams, who were missionaries, and now they totally live in the world. I mean, guys, we have celebrity Christians that now are making sexual music that were once worshiping the Lord. And now people are like, are you even saved? You can fall away. Now, people will reference the um, the prodigal son. Hey, Gen Z for Jesus. Thanks for being on here. Love you guys. People will reference the prodigal son and they'll say, well, look, he went away. 
What happened with the prodigal son? He came back. He repented. The Bible says he was at his lowest point and he recognized that he had sinned, not just against his father, but he had sinned against heaven. His heart was cut. He knew that he had messed up and he repented. He humbled himself and said, I could just come back to my father if I could just be a servant. That is a hum- That's not a guy who says, hey, once a son, always a son. I'm good. I came out here and blew it. I don't need to repent. Everything's fine. I can do whatever I want. I'm just going to waltz back up into my house. That is not the story of the prodigal son. Hey, dad. Love you. Thanks for being on here. That is not the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son was humbled and he repented. This idea, guys, that you can sin as much as you want. I I laid that groundwork to say this. If you sin as much as you want, then do you actually love God? This is my argument. I'm not saying the blood of Jesus can't cover your sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about a Christian who loves the Lord and they're caught in addiction and they really want free, but they keep giving in. I'm not talking about that. The quote that I referenced in the beginning of this was someone who said, here's a scandalous thought. Usually when someone says that, it, it really is scandalous and for a reason. They said, you can sin as much as you want as a Christian and you'll still see heaven. Well, let me ask you this. If you really love God, will you keep sinning intentionally as much as you want? No. This is in Romans. Paul says this. He says, where sin abounds, grace abounds more. So do we sin on purpose so that grace will abound? What he means is this. If there's any young people watching, you're like, what the heck is abound? What Paul means is this. If sinning causes God's grace to come, well, should I just sin on purpose so that God's grace will keep coming? He says, absolutely not. That is twisted. That is perverted. The Bible says in the New Testament, this is the new covenant. This is Paul's letters. We have people who want to be apostles, but they won't listen to the apostles who wrote the Bible. I'm starting to get a little spicy, so I need to relax. (laughs) But Paul says that sin is a land that we departed from. We've packed our bags. We've left the land of sin. It's behind us. There's no looking back. He even says we are dead to sin and we are alive in Christ. How can you be dead to sin and continue living in it? I didn't even mean to. I just quoted the Bible. This is what Paul says. I'm asking though, how can you continue to sin if you are dead in it? Furthermore, how could you justify continuing to sin and say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm covered by the blood. God knows my heart. I'm saved. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. I'll see you guys in heaven, but I can live however I want. Let me give you an example of how this is false. Okay. And this is very uh, important that we get this. I don't do videos like this a lot, but this is so important. Paul is addressing a person within the church who is in sin. Now, the Bible tells you how to confront someone who is in sin. So let me help you and equip you right here. If you have a friend who is caught in sin, this is how you respond to them. You go to that friend personally. That means you don't comment on their post. You don't hit them up on their Facebook wall or whatever. You confront them privately. You go in their DMs or if you have their number, you text them, you call them and you say, hey, 
I, I see that you're dealing with this, or I know that you're dealing with this. I've got someone whose relative is dealing with sin. I said, go talk to them. Talk to them and say, you are living in sin, okay? And you 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 address it, you know, um, verbally, however the Lord leads you. I'm just giving an example here. You are called to confront a brother or sister in the faith who is in sin. This is the Bible. Now, what does it say? If they don't listen to you, well, one, it says if they do listen to you, you have gained your brother back. What does that mean? If you gain something, that means you didn't have it in the first place. Okay, so that's something we need to hold on to. It says if they don't listen, bring someone else with you. So take a, a trusted leader or a friend, a brother in the faith, a sister in the faith, confront the person again. Hey, we love you. We're so concerned about you. You know, I, I had a friend who was just totally living in sin, premarital sex, drinking. And, and so you just say, hey, we're concerned about your lifestyle. This is not godly. This is against the word of God. And as Christians, we fall under the Bible. Look, we're calling you back into a godly lifestyle. You know, are you willing to repent? Are you willing to lay down this ungodly lifestyle and walk with the Lord? The Bible says if they turn that down, if they say no, they don't want to do it, then you take them before the church. In the 21st century, that might look like some type of, you know, public rebuke or something like that. If they don't listen to that, let me tell you, this is the most important thing I'm going to say. And this destroys the argument that you never have to repent. This destroys the argument that you can sin as much as you want as a Christian and it doesn't matter. Paul says this, if that person will not repent, kick them out of the church, excommunicate them, cut them off. And he goes on to say this, hand them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. Why? That their soul might be saved. Okay, listen. Why would Paul say that their soul might be saved if their soul wasn't in jeopardy? He didn't say, hey guys, you know, we don't want them in the church because they're sinning, but listen, they're covered by the blood, they're sealed by the Holy Spirit. He didn't say that. He said, I want their flesh, body, life to be destroyed by Satan, hopefully so that they get humbled to the place where they repent and come back to the Lord and save their own soul. Why? Because their soul is in jeopardy. And here is my point for you tonight. I'm getting ready to wrap this up. If you are living in unrepentant, continual sin, your soul is in jeopardy. Do not listen to any teacher. I don't give a crap what their title is that they've given themselves. I don't care how big their following is. I don't care how many people they preach to. I don't care how big their house is. I don't care if you've attended their stuff and you love them. If anyone is preaching to you that you can sin as much as you want and still go to heaven, you are listening to a false teacher and you need to get out from under that teaching. Paul says, if you're sinning as much as you want, you need to be destroyed by Satan, hopefully to save your, your soul because your soul is in trouble. Let me ask you this as well. If repentance wasn't necessary, then why would 
Jesus, in red letters, be rebuking churches at the end of the age and calling them to repent. If repentance wasn't needed, why would Jesus be calling churches to repent? Guys, this is a big deal. And here's the heart of it. You guys know I am a lover of Jesus and that is how I preach. So let me just put it this way. If you are a Christian, why would you even want to? The thought of sin, let me put it this way. I heard this from Paul Washer. He said, to be transformed is like being a pig and eating slop. That's what they eat. And when you encounter the Lord, all of the sudden you are transformed into a human being. Now, would you continue eating the slop or would you recognize, oh my gosh, the filth that I'm eating was appetizing to me in my former state, but I've now been transformed. I don't want anything to do with that. That is the mark of a believer. They hate sin. The Bible says to fear the Lord is the beginning of, is the beginning of wisdom. And the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is to hate what is evil. Sin is evil. Sin is not something you can just keep doing. You, and I'm not talking, listen, tonight, if you hear me and you're like, look, I'm in an addiction. I hate it. I feel horrible about it. I love the Lord, but I keep doing this thing I don't want to do. Listen, you have not given up if you're still fighting. If you're still fighting, you haven't given in. This message is for people who are living in sin. This message is for people that are sinning and they're either trying to get away with it or they're trying to pass it off as acceptable and make it a lifestyle and say that this is a type of grace. We're free. We're under the water. This is disgusting and it can't happen any longer. A true Christian does not want to sin. What did Jesus say? If you love me, you will keep my commands. Now, you might not always keep all of his commands, but what's another one of his commands? We're called to repent. We're called to miss it or to apologize to God and have remorse when we miss it. The Bible says that godly sorrow leads to repentance. I don't know about you, but as a Christian, if I sin, my heart is cut because I've sinned, not just against people or whatever, I've sinned against God and I'm hyper aware of it because I have the Holy Spirit in me and it creates godly sorrow and it makes me want to change. How many of you have sinned since you've been a Christian and you've said, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I don't ever want to do that again. I'm so sorry, Lord. I don't want to live this way. God, please help me. Please help me live the narrow path. That is a heart of repentance. You are wanting to change. The word repentance, it means to think a way you've never thought before, to change your mind. And when you sin and you get cut by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, because God is a father and he won't let you do whatever you want. That is the best thing in the world because the Bible says God disciplines those who he loves. He chastens you as a son, as a daughter. And if you're not his son or daughter, then you can sin all you want and you won't even care. And it makes me wonder, these people who preach these things, you have to ask, what is the motive of someone preaching you can sin as much as you want and you'll still go to heaven? Why is that? Have you ever wondered it from that angle? Why are those people not preaching integrity? 
purity of the gospel? Why are those people not preaching, walking the narrow path, abstaining from every form of evil and sin? Why are those people not preaching about living holy lives of righteousness? Maybe they are for a moment, but they're also preaching, you can sin as much as you want. Guys, this is false. It's got to stop. And as Christians, we shouldn't want to. I think this is pretty cut and dry. Again, this isn't a matter of Jesus's blood or, or being unborn again. This is me saying, if you really are born again, then you will repent when you miss it and you'll keep walking the narrow path. If you can sin as much as you want and not even care, are you even saved in the first place? You can't say, well, I prayed a prayer, so I know I'm going to heaven. The Bible says, Jesus said this, you could receive a word with joy and still not be saved. Guys, in Matthew 7, there are people that did miracles, signs, wonders. They prophesied, they healed, they did all of these things in the name of Jesus. And Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. Now that is not about performing miracles being bad. The context of that verse is people who tried to earn their way to heaven. Jesus says what? I never knew you. Why? Because John 17, 3 says eternal life is knowing God. Can you really love and know God if you're constantly sinning against him? Imagine what a slap in the face it is to a heavenly father to say, hey, thanks for saving me. I'm going to live like hell, but I know I'll make it to heaven because I prayed that prayer. I don't think you know God if you can live that way. And maybe you would find yourself in heaven saying, but Lord, I held the biggest conferences. Lord, I had a, a, a demon hunting ministry. Lord, I did all of these things. And he'll say, I don't even know you. I am never going to be in that place because my heart is just to know God. And let me encourage you tonight as I finish this. Stay humble. Stay humble. Someone said it. I was just going to say it. King David committed a horrible, horrible slew of sins. Adultery, got the lady pregnant, tried to cover it up by having the husband sleep with her when he came back from war. The husband had integrity, wouldn't do it. David sends the guy out on the front lines to get murdered to cover up for his adultery. God saw the whole thing, called him out through a prophet. What did David say? Guys, you could cry reading that. If you read it from the right heart, David says, Lord, please don't take your spirit from me. Please, God. I'm, I've messed up. I'm a horrible person. But God, I know that you can restore me to the joy of my salvation. Please don't take your spirit from me, Lord. I'm sorry. That is the heart of someone who has what? Believed that they could keep sinning and it's all good? No. Repentance. It's about repentance. And that's a lifestyle that we should live. Amen. Thanks for watching, guys. Again, if you came here to hear a name, you're not going to get it. I'm here to address false teachings, false doctrines, false ideologies, replace it with truth. No, I don't have my Bible out right now, but if you play this back, I probably recited like 20 different verses. It's just in me and it needs to be in you as well so that when you hear false teaching, you can go, no, that's not what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. Guys, we need to build our lives on the firm foundation of Jesus and the word of God. 
not on the opinions and the doctrines of man, which are constantly just floating around. And God forbid it's someone that you like and look up to and they have tons of followers and you think that that qualifies them to twist scripture. It doesn't. Bless you guys. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.